The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... So ever notice how the moment you step into a new level of accomplishment and visioning, it's amazing, but it almost always comes along with a success size helping of struggle and fear and uncertainty that can lead to suffering. Well, our guest today, Laura Gassnerodding, calls this wonder hell, that moment when you're both celebrating and simultaneously grappling with the burden of your potential to do more, to be more, to achieve more. It's both wonderful and it's hell. According to Laura, wonder hell is an essential part of any journey that finds you striving for something more. The burden of your potential is real, maybe even unavoidable, but the suffering doesn't have to be. The success industrial complex, which teaches us to grind harder, lean in, achieve more to be happy, It leaves us unprepared for that messy middle filled with doubt and uncertainty that leads to so much struggle. And in her new book, Wonder Hell, Why Success Doesn't Feel Like It Should and What to Do About It, Laura offers a powerful toolkit to help people achieve their potential with a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure journey through three towns of Imposter Town, Doubtsville, and Burnout City. And I'm pretty sure that most of us have experienced many, if not all of those. And she also gives us five rides on this journey to help people overcome their fears and doubts. So whether you're an entrepreneur or simply trying to achieve a personal goal or a big business goal, this episode, it really offers practical tips and strategies for redefining your relationship with doubt and uncertainty and embracing wonder hell as a necessary and survivable and even thrivable part of the journey to success. Laura also, by the way, speaks from a place of deep personal experience. She is a frequent contributor to Good Morning America, the Today Show, Harvard Business Review, and Oprah Daily. She served as a presidential appointee in the White House and founded, ran, and sold her own global search firm. And her best-selling book, Limitless, was chosen by Robin Roberts as one of Good Morning America's favorite books of the year. She has literally spent decades riding the Wonder Hell roller coaster and develop a powerful set of tools, first to help her find her way through, and now to help us all find our way through with more ease and less chaos and suffering. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. 
Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. So you've had an interesting couple of years. I mean, the world has had an interesting couple of years, but you in particular have had layers upon layers upon layers on top of what so many of us have been going through. And, and through this whole thing, this notion starts to rise up in you and this notion attached to a word or a phrase or literally, I think we can call it a word that you actually made up from nothing, wonder hell. So you talk about it as a state. So first, what actually is wonder hell and why do you care so much about it? <laughs> well, I care about it because I found myself in wonder hell. So I was on an airplane and I was heading back from an event where I literally had like opened for Malala, like Malala, Malala. And the same week, my last book debuted at number two on the Washington Post bestseller list. Jonathan, I expected three people to buy the book, like my mother, my father, and maybe my sister used from my dad, right? Like I just, I wrote it because I noticed all these other people who were speaking on stages who were making real money had books. So I was like, I better just get me one of them. I had no plan about how to put the book out. And then it just, I had this sort of lightning in a bottle moment where it just worked. So I'm on this airplane and I'm on a red eye and I, you know, I Malala Friday night, my goddaughters bought mitzvah Saturday morning, like can't miss either one of those. So I'm on this red eye and I'm exhausted. I'm so tired from having, you know, done the book launch thing, right? The posting and the pitching and the begging and all the stuff that goes into like, please buy my book. And the part of my brain that normally governs my humility was just gone. I'd like left it in Vancouver as I'm flying back to, to Boston. And I heard this little voice inside my head go, this thing has legs. This thing can be bigger. You can be bigger. And suddenly I thought to myself, well, okay, Washington Post, how do I get to the Wall Street Journal? How do I get to the New York Times? How do I talk to Oprah under the oak tree? Because she got to talk to someone. Why not me? Now, obviously I haven't done any of those things yet, but in that moment I had envisioned this possibility. And as soon as I saw it, it was like I was trapped in it. Like once you see that potential of who you can become and what you can become, it's hard to unsee it. And I knew that based on my years in executive search that internal candidates always left when they, if they didn't get the job because the process of interviewing for the job means that they see themselves in that role and they can't unsee it. And so I'm on this plane and I wrote this whole Facebook post like, I'm 1,200 miles from where I was and 1,200 miles from where I'm going. And between the blur that was yesterday and the blur that will be tomorrow is the space I'm in right now. And that space is wonderful, but it's also hell. It's kind of wonder hell. And I didn't think anything of it. And I posted it. And then like a bunch of people commented about how it was a really interesting word. And then I spent the next nine months trying to promote my last book, Limitless. The pandemic happens. I'm looking for things to do, content to make. I start having podcast conversations with people. And then Facebook presents back this memory to me, you know, thank you, Facebook memory. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm like, that's the moment. All the conversations I've been having are around this moment when people realize that maybe they were made for something different, something more. We've all been in wonder hell. And so that's sort of how it came about and why I care so much about it. Okay. So let's deconstruct it a little bit more though, because the wonder part I think I get, and, and, and you use this phrase, which I think is really interesting also, the burden of potential. You know, which is like once you actually using what you just shared, once you see this thing, 
once you see a sense of possibility and you start to actually make that granular and you picture it and you make it real, it's really hard to split off from that. It's really hard to say like, oh, actually, it doesn't matter to me. I, I don't want to make it happen, especially when you, you actually have a belief that it can happen, even if that belief in the early parts might be not entirely rational. And I'm not talking about you here. I'm talking about me and a lot of other folks, especially yeah. as entrepreneurs. But the hell part of it, why is that there too? I mean, what is what is that part? And do you feel like, I mean, can you just have the wonder part of it without the other part? <laughs> You, you can't. You can't because what happens in that moment where you see this potential, especially where the potential's irrational, but you still kind of want it, right? You still like, there's nothing rational about emotions. That's why there are emotions. So you have this feeling, this, this imagination, this, this insight to who you could be. And then you start feeling stress and anxiety and uncertainty and imposter syndrome and doubt and 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 you worry about you know can i do it is it possible uh you exhaustion burnout all these things come and so many of us hear those voices inside of our head going oh you haven't done this before and really the the we should turn it around and hear it as you haven't done this before because when we think of all of those things as these like slings and arrows that we have to absorb, then we have this mindset that like, well, this part's just going to suck. This is just going to be the hard part and it's going to be terrible. And I'm just going to have to like stick my shoulder to the wheel and just deal with the crap until finally it's better. And when I found myself in that place, I was like, well, I'm going to talk to people who are here because I want to know how to get out of it. And what I learned is that there's no getting out of it because on the other side of this one is just the next one. So we have to learn how to enjoy the uncertainty and the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and all of those things. And that's why, you know, it's wonder, but it's also hell. And if we, if we don't allow ourselves to understand that the hell is part of the process, then we're just stuck in the hell forever. And we never actually get to enjoy the wonder. And one of the stories that I tell in this book is, is your story. I feel like so honored that you, that you lent your story to the book, but it's, it's turned out to be one of the most popular stories that people are asking me about, because you tell the story about when you were younger and you started to paint and you're, you're telling the, you know, painting these album covers on jacket, uh, on, on jean jackets. And you had this image of what they would look like in your head that was far beyond what you had any right to believe because you had no experience. And when they didn't look like that, you would punish her, you destroy them and you'd punish yourself. And you spent so much time, you know, being knocked to your knees by your imagination of what you could be in the world. And the change came when you, when instead of saying, well, I'm not perfect, that's terrible. You, you instead said, isn't it amazing that I get to spend the next five years or 10 years getting better at the thing that other people do? And you allowed yourself that grace. You didn't solve it. You didn't stop being imperfect. You just saw imperfection as part of the process. And that changed everything. Yeah. And by the way, that process um, didn't happen when I was a kid, when I was painting. <laughs> that happened decades later um, when I had just been sort of like, slammed so many times by not being able to close the gap between like my taste and what was made manifest by my actions that eventually I just, I got tired of beating myself up, you know, but what's really interesting is what you're describing here is that, so like the, the, the hard side of, of this state, it's not the world rising up against you. It's you rising up against yourself. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that, that, that old, you know, uh, that old saying that, you know, pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Right. And, you know, in your story, I remember you saying 
your book had just come out, Sparked had just come out and uh, and it was an instant USA Today bestseller. And I was like, that's amazing. And you're like, yeah, you're like, I'm proud of that. But I'm more proud of the fact that there is a sentence on the f- in the fourth paragraph of the third chapter that I couldn't have written that way five years ago or 10 years ago. And I remember, you know, that like hit me right in my writer's heart where I was like, oh, yes, right? It's like that process of going through it. And and that's what I think is so interesting about Wonder Hell is that every time we see this next version of ourselves, like I'm not writing this book, like you see potential, go for it, bigger, better, faster, more, keep like, you know, growing. My desire when people read this book is to say, well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting, this like next layer that's inside of me, this next different person that's inside of me? And, you know, as you alluded to at the at the top of the 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 podcast, 2021 was a pretty challenging year for me, right? Like I've always been a very healthy, knock on wood, a healthy human. I've had, you know, some skin cancer things from growing up in Miami plucked out of my body, but I had a an illness that 800 people in the entirety of the United States have ever been diagnosed with. And it was a process to figure out what was wrong with me, how to get better. Am I better? Like, what does it actually mean? And that like redefining who I am, right? Like, am I a sick person? Am I a well person? Am I somebody who was sick, who is now better, who has overcome? Well, if I can overcome that, well, what else does that mean in everything else in my life, right? And so I think that we're constantly in this place, whether it's a dramatic thing like an illness or a pandemic, or just I subbed in for my boss in the presentation and I kind of like being in the spotlight. Maybe I should do that again, right? Every one of us is always in this place between who we were yesterday and who we're becoming. So I just, the thought behind this idea of wonder hell is that like, Success is never this finite destination. It's never this end point. It just teaches us what else we can do and who else we can become if we want it. It's it's a waypoint. It's a portal of what else is out there for us. Yeah. So would it be accurate to say then that the pain side of aspiration is due, or at least the pain side of aspiration that you're talking about, that you're speaking to, is due largely to the fact that the the vision that we see, the vision that we want to work to make real in our lives, in the world, um, what it will take to get there will affect us physiologically, psychologically, in a way that many of us are not skilled to be able to actually move through with ease. Yeah, I, I don't think we're skilled to move through it with ease because I think the success industrial complex that's out there says if you just grind harder and 10x and lean in, as soon as you get to the thing, the corner office, the next success, the promotion, the raise, the title, whatever, you'll be happy, right? This whole like, I'll be happy when culture that we have, this, you know, this conspicuous consumerism and like on the, on the other side of like the diet, the purchase, the promotion, the wedding, the whatever it is. I don't think that we are prepared to, we're not prepared for the messy middle. Like every story you read about success is, you know, he invented this idea in his garage and now he's a billionaire, but nobody really talks about like, what's the whole story? Like what went wrong in the process? And what did that do? Like anytime I've ever done anything that's been interesting to me, it's because I've never done it before. Right? Like, I know, like, I don't, I don't like to do a puzzle twice. Like once you've done it, you know, you've done it. So, you know, and I know, you know, you, you're a maker, like you like to create, you like to build, you like to construct and like, you're not going to do the same thing over and over again. And so if we're in a process where we're constantly trying to learn something new, of course, we're going to 
have doubt and uncertainty and imposter syndrome and all of those things that come with it. But, you know, we've been sold this bill of goods that as soon as we get to a certain level, there's no new devil. And from everybody I talk to, I mean, I talk to a hundred different people, glass ceiling shatterers, Olympic uh, medalists, startup unicorns, people like you, right? Like just all these incredible people. And every single one of them at every age and at every stage is still dealing with all of these things because each new wonder hell opens up a whole new Pandora's box. But what they did, which I think is interesting, is a lot of them said things like, well, what got me from there to here won't get me to the next place I want to go. But at least I know that I'm building on a foundation of having figured things out before. I didn't know what I was doing last time, but I figured it out. I don't know what I'm doing next time, but I know that I know how to create good habits. I don't have confidence in this thing, but I had confidence in other parts of my life that I can apply to it until I have confidence in this. And so they were able to talk to themselves in a way that said like, wonder hell is not a bad place. It's just, oh, now I know that I'm doing something interesting again. Yeah. I almost wonder if you never feel this sensation it's a potential signal that you're living within a certain set of constraints and limitations that also mean that you're never really stepping into a place of uncertainty and or possibility on a level that matters enough to you where you feel like, ooh, this is a little bit scary and a little bit new and a little bit different. And I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to navigate this moment or this entire season sometimes. Yes. To me, that's the way I tend to translate it. If I never feel that sort of like that sensation, I'm, I almost feel like stasis is setting in and there's something that's not quite okay for me. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? So like you're going to go through all this effort. There's a, there's a story that I tell in the book about David Usher, who is the uh, lead singer of Moist, one of the, the biggest bands that to come out of Canada. And he talks about dreaming an elephant. And he says, you know, if you're going to create something that's going to be worthy of your experience, you want it to be big. You want it to be interesting. And he said, everybody around you is going to just like nitpick and nitpick and nitpick your idea until it's tiny, right? So you could start with like the the analogy he used is like, if you want to have a litter of puppies, it takes six weeks. Every six weeks, you can have more puppies. But if you want an elephant, it takes six or takes two years to gestate an elephant. He's like, so it may take a long time to get this idea out. He's like, but if you want to do something that's worthy, by the time everybody nitpicks, you want to dream in elephants, not in puppies, right? And the way that he was telling that story is like, that's so true because, you know, it takes a lot of effort to do something different, especially to go against the people who are in your life who maybe have defined success a certain way because it feels safe to them. It feels comfortable for them. Maybe they knew you when you were 17, 18 years old and you were going off to college or going off to your first job and you didn't have a fully from, formed frontal lobe and they, they, you know, they, they decided who you were as a human, right? And so they're giving you advice based on that person. So we have a lot of people in our lives who offer us opinions and those opinions kind of break the elephant down over and over and over again. And so I don't know. I'm, I think if we're going to do something and it's going to be worthy of it, of ourselves, it should maybe scare us more than just a little bit. Because if it doesn't scare us, is it, I don't, maybe it's not really worth it. I don't know. I think Wonder Hell's a little bit of a sneaky bastard because by the time you have seen your potential, you're already stuck. Like you can't unsee it. Like it doesn't actually matter, right? Like the, the soon as the dice leave your hands and the craps table, like it's done. Like you don't have to know what lands, like it's art, it's, it's finished. So even if you're not going into Wonder Hell, as soon as you see it, you know that it's there. And so I think if you're not seeing these sort of scary 
potential exciting possibilities. It's either that you're done growing, which I don't believe any of us are, or you're just surrounded by people who have clouded your mind about your possibility. Yeah. I mean, what you're, as you're describing this interesting vision just dropped into my head, which is Ulysses in the Odyssey, navigating, you know, like the, the cliffs where he knows that, that as soon as you enter, you hear the call of the sirens and that anyone who hears it is the most beautiful sound in the world, but it also lures you into oblivion because you crash into the cliffs and then everybody dies. So he wants to hear the sound. So he instructs the crew. To, to lash him like to the mast yes. so that he can't do anything. And well, everybody else, you know, has ear, the functional equivalent of earplugs like thousands of years ago um, so that they can power through. It's almost like this is what you're talking about. It's like you, dr- you dream of something majestic um, and you want to experience it or make it real yourself. But you also, you're, you're either unaware or even if you're aware of the potential for, you know, like your demise along the way, you anticipate and prepare yourself. You equip yourself with skills and tools and strategies and processes to be able to actually be okay through the experience. So for those who do aspire on that level, for those who've seen a glimpse of what, what they believe is possible in their lives, in their work, talk to me a little bit about the toolbox that we want to think assembling and what might be in there. Yeah. So, you know, the, the way the book is organized is it's, it's, it's not like a straightforward book. Like here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here are the steps. It's a little bit more of a choose your own adventure where it's, it's organized like an amusement park. So, you know, you think you're going to go to an amusement park. It's going to be super fun, right? Like you're going to ride all the rides, go to all the towns. And then it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and you're like a little sunburn and the corn dog in your stomach is maybe a bad idea. And you're waiting in line for the, for the roller coaster. And you're like, I'm not so sure this is so good. I thought this was going to be fun. Why is it not fun? I kind of feel like success is the same way. Like we're like, I thought it was going to be fun. Why isn't it fun? It's harder. And so the book is organized um, into three towns, Imposter Town, Doubtsville, and Burnout City. And then each one of the towns has five rides, each of them evoking the emotion that you might be feeling. So you're in the chapter of the bumper cars, right? Where like everything's going in a straight line and then boom, you get knocked off track by your perfectionist tendencies or something like that. So there are all these different rides. And so what I would say is it's really like a three-step process. Number one, everybody that I spoke to who who thrived in Wonder Hell made a decision to embrace their ambition. They made a decision to say, you know what? I do want this thing. It's okay to want this thing. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to let the apology for having ambition get in the way of what I want to do. Because if having more money, more time, more resources, more power, more network allows me to show up better for the people I love and the causes I hold dear... And that's my responsibility. I feel good about that. I want to go forward with that. So they they erased all this sort of like hashtag humble brag guilt out of their mind. And they're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold this. I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to go forward. Number two, they redefined, they renegotiated the relationship that they had with all of these emotions of doubt and uncertainty and fear and imposter syndrome. And they saw them not as limitations, but as invitations, as these helpful allies that were telling them that they're actually on the right track. So they they took them and they didn't hear them as as something to tell them to stop. They actually heard them as something that said, it's good, go forward, it's fine, and you can talk about them freely. And then they also understood that that the response shouldn't be to like hunker down and just try to like gut it out and grit it out and get through this. 
but to but to know that on the other side of this wonder hell is the next one and the next one so they could plan for it and look forward to it and so as part of the work that they're doing they knew that there would be this moment where they would have the hard times and so they looked ahead and they surrounded themselves with the right kind of people who could keep them going the the equivalent of people who would lash them to the mast right who would make sure that they had the right support systems and that they they got rid of the ones who were sort of holding them down and only bringing the ones who were sort of elevating them in the process and so Throughout the book, I give very specific uh, tactics for people wherever they are in this process in this sort of choose your own adventure to figure it out. So if it's somebody who feels overwhelmed, there are tactics about how to um, make sure that you're planning your calendar in a way that works for you. If you're somebody who is dealing with, uh, you know, doubt and uncertainty because you're trying something else, it's a way to sort of change the way that you self-talk to yourself so that you can have, you can take the confidence you have in one place and have it in the other. So it, the, so the whole, the whole book is sort of a giant toolbox depending on what ride somebody wants to ride and what part of the park. Right. So, so I'm going to zoom the lens out on yeah. that a little bit then. You sat down with a hundred or so different people from all different professions, different walks of life, different aspirations, and explored this concept with them. Across that sort of universe of, of people, do you feel like, and granted understanding that there are a whole bunch of individual skills to deal with, individual moments, individual challenges, did you see any bigger pattern? Like, was there... If you think about it across a hundred different people, did anything emerge as any one or two things emerge as almost like a meta skill that seemed to be something that was powerful, either on a foundational level or an interventional level that spoke to nearly all of the things that people struggle with and when they are in this aspirational state? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I would say from everyone from Olympic medalists to people who founded billion dollar companies to, you know, a, a, a mom who had a, a child who was in chemotherapy and created a nonprofit that's, you know, now national and works with kids with cancer and, and research for those, for those kids and those families. Every single one of them felt that they were not worthy of the goal that they were pursuing. It, it was a really interesting uh, moment of this realization that the goal was there. They could see it. They could feel it. They could taste it. And they still didn't quite feel worthy of it, even as they were achieving it. It was this sort of shock and surprise and delight. But even as they achieved it, there was like a little like, is this really happening? Is this really me? That 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 imposter syndrome. It, it, it's not even so much imposter syndrome, actually, I should say, is it's like it's like a disbelief um, that it's real. And so just the humanity of all of these people, I mean, everyone from Alan Mulally, who, you know, saved Ford and Boeing to, you know, David Usher, as I mentioned, you know, on stage in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people, this, this, the, the presence that they had in the moment to be, allow themselves to feel all the feelings, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think that's what allowed them to, even though it sort of these, these moments felt surreal for them, they were able to push through it because they just continued to allow themselves to be present in it as opposed to like looking forward to the next thing. And like, I got this done next. I got this done next. They were just there feeling it fully absorbed in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And it rings true. And based on the way that I've experienced a lot of things and just countless conversations I've had with people um, across a lot of different domains. It's hard though. It's hard to like stay in the discomfort. And I think that that willingness to be uncomfortable 
that willingness to like, let it just be there to like, not let other people like, it's okay, you'll be fine. Or like, it's like, I'm good. Like that, 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 that comfort being uncomfortable, I think really stood out to me. Yeah. I think that is a defining trait in anybody. I don't want to say trait, actually. I want to say state because I do think it's trainable. It's a defining state in almost anyone, probably even say absolute in anyone who actually has not only aspired to do something big and meaningful, and that's completely defined by each individual, by the way, and but actually who then actually achieves it. So as we wrap our conversation, thinking about this concept of wonder hell, what do you want to leave people with? If there's like one invitation you'd like to offer? Yeah, here's what I would say. I would say that, um, as I mentioned, Wonder Hell's a sneaky bastard, right? But Wonder Hell only presents itself to people who are worthy of it. So if you're in Wonder and it's amazing, but you don't see the next version of who you can be, fine, right? But if you see it, like if you can, and this isn't like if you can dream it, you can do it, right? But like if you can see a possibility and a potential and something that's out there for you, that's your brain is already starting to do the work. One of the people I interviewed was was Whitney Johnson, who who we both know. And she she talked about how every time she made a leap from what she calls her S-curve, one S-curve to the next S-curve as she's sort of figuring out her next thing, she noticed in hindsight that her brain had already started to do the work, the homework, so that she would be prepared for the next state. And so just even in the imagination of Wonder Hell, your brain is already starting to set you up to go for it. So if you're seeing that and you're feeling the hell, I say welcome. Welcome to Wonder Hell because mm-hmm. it's where all of our dreams can come true. Awesome. Well, thanks for diving into the topic with us today. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you all next week. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.